Test pilot Tuck Pendleton wants to make history. Supermarket clerk Jack Putter needs a vacation. Jack, Sir, I'm Jack, sorry. you're late. That's not good. You know it's coupon day. Lieutenant Pendleton is about to be miniaturized, placed into this needle, and then injected into this rabbit. Rock and roll. But something went wrong. And Tuck's about to get a new destination. <gasps> Inside Jack Putter. I'm in a man. Hello, can you hear me? I'm possessed! Now, Jack's got twice the problems. How you doing, Jack? But he's double the man. I am. With Tuck on his side. Kick him counts! <laughs> in his gut. <laughs> and on his case. You're not gonna back groceries all your life, are you, Jack? And only 24 hours left for Jack to get out of danger. So that Tuck can get out of Jack. Dennis Quaid, Martin Short. Give yourself a shot of adventure. Inner Space. and welcome back to a theater near you. My name is Chris Randazzo and joined this evening, as always, by cocky fighter pilot Paul Drew. Pew, pew, pew. And face-changing nerd Sean Doyle. I'm not a cowboy because I don't know how. <laughs> this month's letter was I, and we landed on Paul's pick, Inner Space. Did this Quaid short classic leave an impression? Let's find out. But first, gentlemen, how the heck are you? I've been better and I've been worse. Yeah, that, that kind of sums up things over here. What's 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 new in the what's new and exciting in the world of Paul? Uh you know, it's 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 been a crazy week because we're um, you know, we're putting up a show. I'm uh, I start tech tomorrow, so like this was this was a good window to record this. Um, and then <laughs> Sherry's been sick a lot of the week. Uh, you know, not COVID, fortunately, but. Um, had a fever, so it's like, you oh, know, bats. yeah, like the the days are long and terrible, and then it's like I get home, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, now I gotta do stuff around here. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just gotta I gotta get through the next week, and then you know, it'll be smooth sailing for a while. Um, I guess uh, in terms of uh, like weird things. Have have either of you ever had people text you and be like, "We want to buy your house for cash"? Do you ever get those texts? <laughs> no, no, I, definitely not. It's just I, you, buddy. I've been getting them a lot over the last week, and I'm like, "This is weird, right?" Like the one today said, "Here, wait, let me find it." It said, "Hi there, Paul." No, it said, "Hi there." Is this Paul? I am Hake. I don't know, H-A-Q-U-E, just drove by, not going to say my address on the podcast, I'll just call it 123 Fake Street, um, I think that was from The Simpsons, uh, just drove by 123 Fake Street, would like, to, would like a cash offer, please let me know, and I'm like, I didn't write back, but I kind of want to be like, that's creepy, stop driving by my house, I don't know you. <laughs> there was a guy, number, maybe he really a, wants it. A guy, a guy yesterday called me, and he was like, "Hey, this is Chester." 
And I was like, okay. And he's like, I'm interested <laughs> in your house at, <laughs> at 123 Fake Street. Uh, you know, are you selling? And then I was like, Chester, that's where I keep all my stuff. Where am I going to keep my stuff if I sell it? And then I was like, can I keep my stuff at your house? And he was like, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't have another house. Uh, like, Do you think I have like a couple of these laying around and like, this is my spare that I'll sell? Go, go, just go big, man. Like, I don't know what you paid for your house or what it's worth. I'm, but just double whatever you think it's worth. And if they're going to give you 800 grand cash, like, again, I don't know what your house is worth. You're in Philly. The price is completely unchained to anything that exists over here in New Jersey. But the, you know, if you have a $400,000 house, tell them 800000 If they want to give it to you, great. Take it. Buy a different house. I'm also fairly sure that this is not a transaction you want to make over text message with a stranger. That's the only way I want to make it. <laughs> That's how I, I buy I, all my houses. I want him to show up with a bag full of cash with a little money symbol on it. It's the only way I'm accepting payment. <laughs> and then, payment and, in burlap sack. And then I would be like, thank you, I'll be out tomorrow, but I'm keeping a key in case I ever need to crash. <laughs> 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 well that's a that's certainly more interesting than anything that happened to me i just uh laid in a puddle of pee for half an hour it sounds like a thursday to me <laughs> i'm sitting there reading stories to to my daughter uh and the whole time i'm smelling pee like what what stinks i swear she peed somewhere but then I just didn't want to get, I wanted to read the story so I could get down here and, and start the show. And then, um, you know, I sat up to, after I finished reading the story, so I looked down and there's just this dried up piss pile. <laughs> <laughs> this, this just ring of yellow on the sheets. And I'm like, oh, son of a, all right, uh, let's change this right now. The joys I of parenting. I couldn't tell from your story if you were telling me that she wet the bed or if she was like, hmm, this potted plant has a different purpose for me today. Like, I literally didn't know where you were going with this. Yeah, no, my daughter just wet the bed and I laid in it for a while like a sucker. <laughs> At least it was dry. Uh, I think that was probably the most interesting thing that happened over here this week. I I started selling some of my... Uh, my the the stuff in my game collection that I'm looking to get rid of, so that was kind of fun. I sold a couple of duplicate things online this week to some to some nice folks out in the middle of who the heck knows where. So some of my my extra stuff's going to go to a good home. That makes me happy. Cool. It's only duplicate stuff, right? I, I view your basement as a museum, and I, it would make me sad if you were getting rid of things that weren't duplicates. Most of it's duplicates. There are a couple of things that are just like I can't. I can't bring myself to care about this, which is how little it, how little importance it has on the overall world. Right. <laughs> so, um, for the there's very few things in there that aren't duplicates that I'm getting rid of. Some of it's just like, well, I literally have no more room for Sega Genesis games. I have expanded the boxed Genesis situation as far as I am willing to. And these games I just don't care about. So they're, they're the ones that aren't going to make, there's like five of those, but outside of that, it's pretty much all duplicates and whatnot. So that's, that's nice. Made a, 
you know, a couple hundred dollars off of two Sega CD games and an empty box for a Saturn game. So it's I'm off to a good start. I think uh, Stephen Wright said it the best when he said, you can't have everything. Where would you put it? Exactly. And I've tried. The answer is my little sister's attic. Fun note. I can start storing stuff in her attic because I'm running out of room in mine. Yeah, well, that's where my shit is. (laughs) (laughs) I had so much stuff in my parents' attic for so long. Like, and, and when I finally consolidated it all into my own house, then it was all like, you know, it was in the garage and then it was down in the basement and then some of it was in, in, in this attic and I had a storage unit for a number of years. And now it's like, all right, this is the space I have. Now I got to figure out how to make this work as best as I can for me and keeping the stuff that I care about and start to get rid of like today. I finally threw out one of my old guitar hero guitars because it was the broken one and it wasn't like just kind of broken like the button stick no it's broken but i held on to it because i somebody gave it to me and i was like well maybe you can fix it someday and i thought well yeah maybe i can fix it someday but i don't need a third player a third guitar for the playstation 2 guitar hero because that's only two player and i have two functioning guitars i don't need to keep this broken one anymore or do you chris or do you I'd probably drop that off there. I, I, I find broken video game stuff. I just drop it at your house. <laughs> and a lot of that stuff I appreciate. Most, <laughs> most of the stuff that comes my way, I absolutely appreciate. I love collecting orphans and stuff. Uh, and then it's just a matter of figuring out where's, what's, what's the best thing to do with them. Like my other friend, uh, Ferg, he's getting rid of some of his old collection stuff. And he's sending me a handful of uh, old um, VHS tapes of like promos and stuff, which I'm so excited about. <laughs> Oh, there's a Yoshi's Island promo VHS I've been looking for for ages. He's sending it my way. I'm so, so excited about it. Who knows what else? It's an old tips and tricks video cassette. Like, hey, here's how to win an old Nintendo games. Yes, I have a VCR over there hooked up to my old CRT. I will pop those suckers in and watch them all night long. I'm so excited about it. I have a CRT (laughs) with a VCR that came from Sean's basement. I, uh, I find that... It's like you never, I don't know, you you never feel like you need these things that are the like collector's things until you until the one time you need it for a thing, and then you're like, why did I get rid of all those? Right? That's why I never get rid of anything. Because <laughs> I have so much crap. We're going to have a new podcast about hoarding. Oh, We're all guilty. Fun. I was watching uh, like a little bit of my old Star Wars VHS uh, like several months ago. I was just like popped it in there just 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 to watch the original un- unedited version, not like the despecialized edition or whatever. Just like on VHS to get that old uh, that old nostalgic feeling. I watched like a half an hour of it. It was great. That's so funny because that's the three VHSs that I'm holding on to is, is <laughs> th- that trilogy, and it's like. It's not like I'm out there in the garage watching them, but it's like I I won't get rid of it, you know. Like you want to have the option to, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's weird. So so speaking of Star Wars and movies, I did the nerdiest shit ever last week. So I was on vacation, sort of like secret vacation last week. I had the week off of work, and I obviously didn't go anywhere because I still had to take kids to school in the morning, pick them up in the afternoon. But I spent all day playing video games, which was wonderful. But then I beat the one game that I set out to beat, which was Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And so with the next day, 
what I decided to do was something that I've been putting off for ages, but I finally have the ability to do it since I've gotten into a little bit more video editing, is I made my own cut of Star Wars. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> all right, so we all know the Star Wars special editions, right? The ones where they added all the ridiculous CG things in them and stuff. Yes. So like, the best, the next line better be that you added Bender in whenever there was a lull. <laughs> oh, I wish. No, I'm not that. I'm not that good. But there's also the Star Wars despecialized editions, where our you know uh, people have gotten the original prints, like just movie reels, and they've made they've restored them in 4K HD and all that stuff. That stuff's out there. So I had my friend Evan get me digital copies of the most current Star Wars special edition. And the most current um, despecialized edition. And because I realized watching this movie with John a few years ago is that one thing about the special edition is it does tend to keep kids a little bit more interested because, you know, the first Star Wars movie is a little dull from time to time. It's, it's kind of talky. But if you every now and then throw a CG back walking around in the background, like, OK, keeps it a little bit more visually interesting. There are things in the special editions that I rather like and they're. I will always love the original uncut editions, and they should be regularly available, but as a nerd, I like a lot of the stuff that they added for the special editions, but I also hate a lot of the stuff in the special editions. So what I did was I kept the stuff I liked, and then I spliced in the original scenes for the stuff that I didn't like, and it was a really smooth watching experience. I actually was, it was my turn to pick movie night for the family. And we watched my cut of Star Wars, and the kids thought it was great. Oh, can I watch your cut of Star Wars? Absolutely. I need to fix it, though. I missed one thing. I missed Obi-Wan's new scream in the, the beginning. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the new yeah. Disney Plus scream. Yeah, it is I know hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, this, is, uh, this feels like a little bit of a rabbit hole, but like I, well, I guess as, well, as long as we're here, um, I... Uh, like. I agree. It's unfortunate that I agree, but it's like, I agree. Like, not all the changes are bad. Like, I want to be like, oh, it's so different, you know, but like, like the things where it's just like trying to keep it, um, you know, uh, uh, current and watchable looking on a, on an HD thing, um, feels like the right kind of update for it. You know, when they, when they uh make an explosion bigger or remaster the sound or mm-hmm. you know something like that right like that like that doesn't change the the continuity or like the work of the designers and the people that worked on it it just makes an explosion bigger and you know makes a, a thing more watchable like like another one that i think is a good example right is um like at the end when they do that like metal ceremony um, mm-hmm. you know, and poor Chewbacca doesn't get a medal. Um, like when they sort of, when the camera goes out down that row of people, right? Like in the original, it's like a matte painting, you know, where there's a lot yeah. of extra people there. Right. And then when you watch it in HD, you're like, that's a painting. Like that is <laughs> clearly a painting. Um, yeah. you know, so like, sure. Now you have the technology, make it, make some CG people over there. Right. Like that seems like the right thing, but then the stuff where it's like you've literally taken out the work of a costume designer or a performer or whatever, you know, and you've put in a different thing like that feels like that. That's the stuff that I don't like. Yeah. And like 
things where you've legitimately changed what's what what's happening. Like obviously the whole Han Solo shooting Greedo thing is is absurd. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. So that scene I just left in. Or there's another scene like when they go to Mos Eisley for the first time and the camera pans out and it shows like they did this whole CG thing where you can see more of Mos Eisley and it's all alive and stuff. That's pretty neat. Except there's also this bit in there where there's this ridiculous cackling robot going and then it gets punched in the head by another robot. Like, you don't need that. That's really stupid. <laughs> so I cut that out. But I kept the other stuff. And it was it was it, it was fun to kind of figure out how to how to do that and how to make it line up like with the audio of like, okay, well, after I finished this one, I started working on Return of the Jedi, which is like that's the one that's got the worst shit in it. And trying to figure out the musical number in the beginning was really hard because there's this this that stuff they added right after the musical number where you get to see the Twilight Girl down in the the Rancor pit. Mm-hmm. I think that's super cool because when they made the special editions, they got the actress who did that in the original movie to come back and shoot a new scene. <laughs> I just thought that was really cool, so I wouldn't want to cut that out. But God, that Jedi Rocks musical number is one of the worst things I've ever seen in any movie ever. Um, and like, so switching back to Lapti Neck is like, man, this is way better. It's still kind of awful, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I'm not I'm, I'm just not enough of a Star Wars nerd. The this I remember that in like. I'm going to say 99, 2000, 2001, they re-released the three movies to the theater and they added mm-hmm. a bunch of scenes. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? That is what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. All right. They uh, they added some cool CG stuff. They re- reinserted the most famous ones, the deleted scene with Jabba the Hutt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. With Han yeah, Solo like they, talking to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, and, and that edition of it is actually the one I wish that you could that's the one I wish was the the mainstream thing because that's like that is the thing where they you know they made the explosions bigger they remastered you know like like they they mainly did updates so it looked good for you know for a a newer for a more current audience and like yeah I guess there was a lot of stuff where George Lucas was like throw in a dinosaur farting on a robot you know but like <laughs> yeah. most of it is is make it look better and then they and then in each one they put an additional scene um mm-hmm. uh sometimes not needed but whatever um but I, yeah I remember then going after to see that them. it was like it was like then they started throwing you know Hayden Christensen in the in the uh, yeah they did they did some other wacky shit that was like oh boy like some of it i was very thankful for like um when they went back and had ian mcdermott record that scene as the emperor because i remember that confusing the crap out of me as a kid first time i remember seeing it that was the first time you see the emperor when he's talking to vader in that one room and then he shows up in the next movie and he doesn't look anything like that weird bulbous dude in a hood yeah (laughs) with the big with the big creepy eyes and whatnot yeah like he looked like a weird baboon face dude yeah, <laughs> I remember turning to my parents and be like, "Who's that?" They're like, that's the emperor. I'm like, "No, it's not." <laughs> so that that was cool that they did that. Um, I don't know what they've changed since then. I remember watching at least the first one in the theater when they released it, and I I remember being like, I don't, and maybe I'm not enough of a Star Wars nerd. Like, I watched all the movies. I know all the basic stuff. I enjoyed them a lot. I love the, you know, I love them. Uh, but I, not like you guys love them, but I, you know, they're great movies. I remember watching it in the theater and thinking, oh, yeah, there's a little scene there. Yeah, they added a dinosaur. 
I don't know. None of it offended me. I was just like, yeah, right. He cleaned it up. Bigger explosions. Sounds good. I don't know. Yeah. I'm about happy. There really wasn't a lot in, especially the first one that I thought was like just flat out bad. Like there's this one scene in the Moss Eisley thing where for reasons I still can't figure out, just a big dinosaur walks in front of the camera. They added a CG dinosaur. Like you just see its torso walking inches away from the camera. It's not covering up any kind of mistake. There's like a little yellow droid that rolls by and like, why is this here? This is horrible. Um, the whole thing, they changed it so Han Solo has to, like, dodge his head real quick to the side because Greedo shoots first because Han Solo's a good guy and he wouldn't shoot first. And, like, that's just ridiculous. Oh, man, <laughs> do, you, do you want this whole episode to be about Star Wars? Because I could go on about that for a while. <laughs> I mean, always. Is that but... how he's a smuggler and a pirate? Maybe he's not yeah, the he best Yeah, he starts guy? off as a bad guy. That's the point. Yeah, whatever. It, it, it's called character development. It conceptually changes <laughs> the story of Star Wars. Like that's yeah, that's my. Beef so I cut that. that right. That right the hell out. The other one that always bothered me was like the the deleted scene that they put back in with Jabba, and this like drove me nuts. Was like, and the one thing I can't really fix because they reused actual audio from that deleted scene in the previous scene where he's talking to Greedo, when he says, you know, do you th- even I get bored at sometimes? Do you think I had a choice? That's literally clipped audio from that deleted scene slapped into that that other the bar scene with Greedo. Mm. So that's always going to bug me. But I thought the whole conversation with Jabba was kind of amusing enough to begin with. And I wanted to see if I could keep it. But there was one thing that always bugged me is when Han turns around and says, Jabba, you're a wonderful human being. Mm -hmm. It's like it worked in the original one because the deleted scene because he was played by a human. But it makes no sense. So. But I was able to successfully edit that line out by duplicating a shot of Chewbacca walking in a previous scene. And nobody in the house noticed it. Not even Karen. So I was like, all right, I did it. I pulled it off. It looks different enough. I did it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I will find a way to send you my uh, my cut of Star Wars and see what you think. But I need to, I need to do it again because I need to put the original Obi-Wan well, creepy yell in it. And here's my request. Uh... So it sounds like sounds like you're on a path now. Sounds like now you've done the first one, you're going to do the second one and the third one and you know, when you when you have time, you're going to finish that stuff. When you uh-huh. after you get through that, I would and I'm sure and I'm sure somebody's done this is the thing. So I'm probably not telling you something new, but I would like you to make a movie that is the prequel trilogy but just all one movie. Like like take those three shitty movies and turn them into one mm-hmm. good movie. That I does exist, that, as a matter of fact. I was going to say, there's got to be more. Like, I mean, I'm not as hard on those first, on the, the prequel, I don't think, as other people, maybe. I don't know. There's parts I hate. But I there was definitely lots of good stuff in there. Like, there was lots of great stuff in those first, uh, in, I say first three, the, 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 the prequels. Uh, yeah. There was plenty of great scenes. There was a lot of crappy acting. There was terrible stuff going on that ruined the movies. But there were so many good bits that if you did pull out just the good bits, if the story still made any sense, you'd have a hell of a movie. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember what the heck it's called, but somebody... Was it the machete cut, I think? No, uh, the machete cut is when you watch... Oh, shoot. Is when you watch... Um, you skip episode one. I think. Right, that's machete order. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of something yeah. else. Somebody has done a prequel edit that's uh, right here. Um, all three movies down to one. So 
It's two hours and 29 minutes. So somebody has, somebody has done it. I would be interested to see it. I've never watched it. Sounds like just the right length. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be interesting. I still have like major problems with the prequel trilogy just on an intrinsic level. Like I think that I think that telling telling who Darth Vader is in the prequel trilogy just it takes away from that moment in Empire. If you were going to tell this story of the the that they did in the prequels, they should have kept the Anakin's actual fall to Vader a somewhat mystery and then explained that actual if you really wanted to go into the moment where he turns into Darth Vader make that a separate thing that you watch later like um Rogue One mm -hmm. because if you start from one and you go straight through by the time you get to five that whole him revealing that he's Anakin Skywalker it loses most of its meaning so <sighs> Anyway, I could talk Star Wars forever, uh, as Paul and I know very well that we've talked Star Wars for hours. Uh, but we're here to talk about something else. Uh, any, any, anything? Sean, how are you? Yeah, how's Sean doing? How's Sean, how's Sean doing? doing? Sean's doing all right. It was, a, it, was a, it was a lot of work this week. Uh, I got a chance to play some Scythe over the weekend. I haven't played that game in like a year, because uh, fuck Pandemic. Uh, and I don't mean fuck Pandemic, the board game. Love Pandemic, the board game. I mean fuck the real world <laughs> Pandemic. Uh, yes, indeed. And and Scythe was kind of uh, I mean, it's it's uh, if you haven't played it, imagine Risk and uh, Catan had a complicated baby with Russian robots, uh, <laughs> and it it kind of uh, I love it and I missed it and it was great. And with all the crap that's happening with this like impending Russian war coming, <laughs> I was like, this this just fits nicely with what's going on in my brain hole. So. That was nice. That was that was the highlight of my week, probably. I I think I tried to play that Settlers of Catan game once, and I felt like it was wildly complicated. And by the time someone finished explaining the rules to me, I was like, "And the first one to flip the table over wins." <laughs> <laughs> it's just my go-to when it's a complicated game. Yeah, well, if you if you got that, mix that with Risk, and then complicated. That's safe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, sure. Well, I guess we should start talking about this movie, huh? Yeah. It seems fitting. That's why we're here. You know. It is. It is. All right, let's do it then. Let's talk about Inner Space. All right, let's see. Inner Space was released on July 1st, 1987, and was distributed by Amblin Entertainment. That was the was day I was born. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Not, Day and not, year. Not, not 1987. Yeah, absolutely. 87. Keep going, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> you actually had me doing math for a second, questioning, like, wait a second. That can't be true. <laughs> anyway, it was distributed by Amblin Entertainment. It was directed by Joe Dante, whose previous credits include, who other, whose other credits, not previous, include, uh, oh, shit, where'd it go? I wrote the wrong thing. Uh, there it is. There they are. Gremlins 1 and 2, Looney Tunes Back in Action, and Amazon Women on the Moon. Ooh. The movie stars Dennis Quaid, Martin Short, Meg Ryan, and Kevin McCarthy, among others. It tells the story of an arrogant hotshot pilot who volunteered for a miniaturization project that somehow results in him accidentally getting injected into an average man on the street following some sort of violent corporate sabotage and other assorted hijinks. Uh, I actually... I forgot to ask for this one from my um, 
nefarious means friend so i wound up just renting this from itunes for three bucks and uh i enjoyed a glass of chocolate milk and an oreo cookie while i watched it oh it must be cookies must be the theme of this because uh i too rented it on itunes uh i too um had cookies and milk but i had girl scout cookies um oh nice what kind uh the well so we have a friend that was selling them and uh we got the peanut butter patties for me uh we got the samoans which i'm pretty sure that's what not what they're called i think now they're called uh i don't know caramel something or other caramel delights maybe um we got some of those for sherry and then we got like the new kind um which like the new kind was good um but yeah we got like a whole like a box of a couple boxes. So I've been eating those like they're going out of style. Hmm. <laughs> so I've been eating Girl Scout cookies like they're going out of style too. I just got my shipment in. Uh, and the, the, the new ones, there was two new ones. One of them was amazing. And the other one was all right. Fun note, just so you understand a little bit better about how this works. There's two different bakeries that make Girl Scout cookies. And while some of the recipes are identical, some of them are not. And depending on mm. what bakery is supplying your supplier, that determines whether you get Samoans or Caramel Delights, which those two cookies taste the same, in my opinion. I can't taste the difference there. But then it also makes a difference. Um, one makes peanut butter patties. The other one makes tagalongs. And there Ooh. is a slight difference in them. And the Thin Mints, though they have the same name, are very different from the, in my opinion, because they're my favorite one. I can clearly taste the difference. Blindfolded Pepsi Challenge, no problem between the more northern bakery and the more southern bakery. And however New Jersey's positioned, depending on who in New Jersey is giving you your cookies, we can get both. Uh, a little bit north, a little bit south, you get different cookies. Um, and the, there was one other big difference, but I don't remember what it was now. There was one other, one other cookie that's totally different. Um, the but, lemonades are pretty good. I forgot about those. I was going to say it might I, be the lemon ones because I don't order them a lot. I only got a box of peanut butter patties. The new ones, Adventurefuls? Yes, Adventurefuls. That was Indulgent brownie inspired cookies with caramel flavored creme and a hint of sea salt. My goodness. Uh, I yes. love Yep, we got those. Yeah. Hmm. They're all right. <laughs> They're no thin mint, but yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed them. Sean, why do you know all this about the Girl Scout cookies? I don't, I don't like, oh, here's a Girl Scout, let me buy a box of cookies. Like, I have them delivered, cases of them, like, because I know they're only available for a limited time. So, like, I have a few different cousins who have kids who are Girl Scouts, and it's like, what's their goal? They need to sell 30 more boxes? All right, I got that covered. I'll make another call to one of the other ones, finish off their, their goal, too. Like, it's not, it's not, let me get a box. No, no, no. Especially the Thin Mints. The Thin Mints, there's no way there's not crack in the Thin Mints. Like, <laughs> just crack. Because I will open that. I'm I'm not a huge guy. I don't eat a ton of food. I'll go a whole day. I'll forget to eat. An entire day, 24 hours. Just won't think to eat. I crack one of those Thin Mint wrap. The, the, they come in the two long sleeves. I open up the, the first one. I just open it a little bit. Take out a cookie. I'm sitting in front of the TV, and I eat it, and I put my hand in an empty box. And I'm like, "What the hell just happened? Both sleeves gone. <laughs> Don't even know what I did. I will unconsciously eat the whole thing. That is a cookie that cannot be beat. And while I did eat some of them during my inner space watching, I tried to find a themed snack to go along with it, and I couldn't find anything that had space or inner or nothing. Nothing worked. So I ate some mini 
baby carrots because I was like, well, they're miniature. <laughs> and the movie starts out with a rabbit. So I sat here and ate some healthy carrots. And then I, I uh, we had an open box. At that point, we were in the middle of a box of uh, tagalongs. So I, I, I went with the tagalongs. Eat, eat your carrots to balance it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to get the vegetables in there. Yeah. yeah. It does sort of feel like you went on a crusade, though. Like, it feels like you had a couple boxes, and then you ate one cookie, and then you ate one from another box, and you went, wait a minute, this is different from this. I the northern Thin Mints, The Northern Thin Mints aren't quite as full of crack. Like, they're still very good, and I will eat a whole box, but I know I'm eating a whole box, whereas the Southern Thin Mints, it, it's a, it's it a serious issue. It right by. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It is a problem. Wow. Well, that that is that is information I did not previously have. So thank you, Samesies. Your 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 daughter's not in Girl Scouts, is she, Chris? Get you on this list. Nah, she's not there yet. She's uh, I mean, she's only five. All right, good. I'm always looking for future talent. <laughs> my cousin's Sean kid's gonna age here out. Grooming soon. my daughter. <laughs> I mean, we, she, we we tried scouts with John, and uh, I think it was just the troop that we were in was just so incredibly disorganized. It was kind of a mess, uh, so we, we kind of opted the heck out of that. But I have no doubt that Ellie will want to do the whole being a, uh, a, a, a Girl Scout selling cookies situation. That, that sounds right up her alley, so I'll let you know when the day comes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I should be the first call. <laughs> So, Alrighty. Chris, you're the only one of us that hadn't seen this movie before, right? That is correct. Uh, although I don't think Karen had seen it either. She watched it with me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I had not seen it, right? You guys both saw Obviously, yeah. you've seen it, Paul. But... I watched with Jacqueline, and Jacqueline hadn't seen it. I've seen it a dozen... When I was a kid, I watched this at least 20 or 30 times, if not more. Well, wow. I... I feel like I have some stuff to say correlating to when I was a a kid, um, but uh, I'm I kind of interested in the perspective of somebody who hadn't seen it, who was watching it for the first time. Uh, okay. Um, I wasn't nuts about it. Um, I was a little bit more on board at first, but kind of by the end of it, I had really uh, it wasn't really doing it for me. I, I didn't I didn't think it was particularly funny. Um. Uh, Dennis Quaid's character was not likable at all. Um, I don't know this. This one just it just didn't really fit for me. Like it just didn't seem like a very interesting movie. Like, yeah, I don't know. I I didn't hate it, but I certainly didn't like love it. I'm trying to bring my notes up here. Um, Dennis Quaid was ripped. Uh, that that I didn't see coming. I've never seen him like quite so jacked before, but like. He was a he was a tasty looking dude in his youth. That was a no, no getting around that. And Everyone is smoking everywhere. Well, that's the eighties. That's you know, that's that is indeed the eighties. On the plane, on the plane, they were smoking. It was like every possible opportunity to shove a cigarette in someone's mouth. They were like, "Let's fucking smoke, light them up." It was it was everywhere. Uh, I miss malls. Mm. Uh, just seeing a lively eighties mall was really pulled at the old heartstrings there i i miss i miss malls so very much what kind of I horror love... show of like toy store mascots was roaming that mall <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i 
I missed that shit too. You would yeah. never see that. Like that, I go to the Hamilton Mall for my comic books like once a once every other month, and like holy cow, it's just so sad and desolate because you know most physical retail is. But like just looking back on a time where you had to go somewhere and be surrounded by a ton of people to go shop for physical things, it just really warmed my heart. It made me so happy to see. I love malls. Well. I wrote down the thing too about the about the animal mascots in the mall, um, and I I guess I'll sort of use this to to segue into um, my connection with this movie from from childhood. I'm pretty sure I watched this movie before I was really old enough that I should have been watching it. Uh, I I can't tell you when I watched it and how many times I watched it. You know, I, I'm I'm sure. Um, I have seen it at least once as an adult since since this last viewing. Um, but uh, I think as a kid that, like, I bet you my mom rented it. I say my mom because my dad doesn't watch movies. Um, I think <laughs> I think my mom probably rented it and was like, oh, this looks like it'll be appropriate. You know, like, they shrink. Dennis Quaid and put him in Martin Short, you know, like that seems like a funny thing for the whole family. But I think there was just like so much sort of like hellish nightmare scape imagery in this. The those those animals in the in the mall, the dude with the finger gun, the woman, the woman in his dream that like lights up the the cigarette with the little gun, like there's uh-huh, there was yeah. a there's a lot of, and I think I think also just like all the stuff that happens inside his body, right? Like I was gonna say, you, you're leaving out the dissolved Russian cosmonaut. Yeah, like ripping through his veins and going through his bloodstream. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of yeah. Like every time a, he wanted to escape somewhere, he zapped a hole in the wall. I'm thinking, isn't that gonna cause some real damage? Yeah, it's it was kind of like Magic School Bus from Hell. You know, like it was, it was, it was like Magic School Bus, but all the like you know, realistic <laughs> awfulness that would go through really being in somebody's body, you know? Um, so I, I think, you know, I think sometimes when I think about that, I, I have just like a lot of disconnected, disturbing images from this movie, you know? And then I think, I think it, it took another viewing to sort of like put that aside and then to be able to like appreciate the like, you know, funny the 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 funny well made stuff about this movie, you know, the performances and things like that. Yeah, I will. I I didn't necessarily hate the the acting per se. I, I, I hate's a strong word. I didn't. I don't think I really hated much of anything about the movie. It was just um, like I I didn't like the relationship between uh you know Randy. Uh, did I keep saying Randy Quaid, Dennis Quaid, and uh, Meg Ryan, and That's like especially at the movie. end. Where she, that would be a very different movie. <laughs> like, I mean, the, their relationship was gross. And then, like, she's pregnant. And what? <laughs> she's pregnant, and then they get married and live happily ever after, even though this guy's, like, a complete shit? Oh, okay. Well, okay, hang on. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think he was a complete shit. I didn't think their relationship was gross. But I did make some notes about <laughs> sort of about the relationship triangle between the three of them. And I was I think I was left with some questions after this watching. <laughs> like there there's there's some stuff that 
kind of misses the mark, I think, when I dissect it. Well, go on. Oh, yeah, sure. Because, because I mean, I'm right there with you. I didn't, I didn't like any of the you know Martin Short relationship with her, and like she kind of reciprocated a bit, but then she's like, "I'm gonna marry Dennis Quaid, even though he's kind of a shit to me." And uh, but I'm carrying his baby, so we're gonna get married, and Martin Short's just gonna be there, and he's gonna be fine with it. <laughs> so I, I get, I guess my, I guess my impression was this: like, I didn't. I didn't really think Dennis Quaid was a shit. I, I mean, honestly, I thought he was kind of a, a smooth operator. Like, I mean, uh, yes, he's completely drunk at the beginning of the movie, which also I got to say, I, uh, I really was into the way this movie just friggin' started. Like, you know, like this movie wasn't like, hey, let's introduce the idea of this shrinking technology or let's do this or let, like it literally started with like a drunken brawl at a air force pilot like dinner or something you know mm-hmm. um so i like i i thought that was a an interesting window into all the characters and and sort of um you know sort of who these people are and how they how they operate um but then i thought it showed some sort of interesting things about Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's relationship, you know, and it's like, like, just how, I guess just how smooth he is that like, she, you know, like, like, she sort of melts at the, like, all he's got to do is play that Sam Cooke song, you know, and she just like, like, she knows that she should, that she should make a change, but like, she's literally that drawn to him. Um, and, uh, and like, I, I thought, I thought their relationship had some interesting dynamics. And then I thought Martin Short was so good at being, you know, this neurotic hypochondriac guy. Um, but then when, when Dennis Quaid is, is in there, when he's like, when he's in the pod and, you know, piloting inside Martin Short, right? Like at first I made this note where I was like I was like is this is this a is this some sort of look at a gay relationship that we're not like that's that's not being spelled out this way on screen? Like is this um like I've heard uh I've heard the Venom movie, uh, the Venom movies being described as like the best disguised, like gay relationship on screen, you know, like that. Uh, I mean, even if you watch that second one, you know, like Venom's like, fine, I quit, you know, and he goes to the club and, and, you know, he's like, I, I had to get away from Eddie and all the people are like, yeah, you go boy, you know, like you don't need him, you know, like it was the, the it was sort of some more overt stuff in this in this last venom movie. So when when the fact that it's literally two people sharing a body, two people sharing a life, right? That I was like, is this a thing that they're they're trying to say? Like at one point Dennis Quaid even's like he's like I'm in a man. <laughs> and I was like, is this the is this the gag? And then I was like, no, I don't think it is. Uh and and then they really 
I think, did do justice to the idea of, like, Dennis Quaid helps Martin Short overcome these problems, you know? Um, I think he even says, like, there's that whole bit at the end where he's like, Tuck will give me the power of ten men, you know? And then and then he realizes that he did it on his own. So I was like, all right, that's well-defined, right? But then this whole thing where Martin Short is checking out Meg Ryan and then Dennis Quaid comments because he can see that he's checking out Meg Ryan because he's in there. And then where it's like she is kissing him, but she's clearly attracted to Tuck. Like that's like, like that's been made real clear. And then you're kind of like, well, why is she like, why is this relationship being fostered between the two of them? I just feel like there was some connection that was missed that I didn't get. Like it, I think I think it, it it wanted to make a real clear connection between the three of them, and I I think it missed the mark. I I guess I can I see what you mean. By the end of the movie, it seemed like it wanted me to feel like there was a real connection between the three of them, but I yeah I didn't quite feel like it accomplished that. I just thought it was. Everything about her relationship with Tuck just struck me as super toxic. Like, yeah, she's really drawn to the guy, but, like, he knows that and uses it to his advantage to get what he wants. And you know, he doesn't really take her into consideration. Uh, it's just, he's just kind of being a shit. Like, okay, I am I am me, and this is my life, and I am, uh, I am Tuck. I, I know I'm a beefcake. I know I'm a... I know, you know, I know you'd hit it and uh, I'm going to use that to my advantage and uh, anytime that I want. And she's clearly wanted to get away from him because of his drinking and all that other stuff. And then, you know, he plays that song or whatever, and that's that's the end of it for her. And it it just didn't strike me as a healthy relationship. I didn't want them to get together at the end. Uh, I almost wanted her to. I I felt like I almost wanted to want her to get together with Martin Short, but I also didn't exactly buy them either. Yeah. Uh, so Meg Ryan, Meg Ryan loves Tuck so much that she loves even the bits of him that she sees coming through Martin Short, right? Yeah. It's like Bender said. Uh, you love him so much, you love anybody that is pretending to sort of be him. So there's there's that. Maybe. I don't know. I'm going to work with the movie here a little bit. And then the the other thing I was going to say in regard to that is, so I think that we were supposed to see, and I, I'm not saying it was super well done, I think we were supposed to see like a, you know, a character development or come to Jesus moment in Quaid's character uh, throughout the his journey through Martin Short, because the there's times where you see him uh, uh, stressed, uh, fearing for his life, uh, looking at her, realizing like what he's done, and then he even he even has the uh, the sense to uh, at one point he he makes the line about that day it wasn't my toe that was broken it was my heart or whatever. It, at least it kind of felt like he gets it right. So I think we were supposed to see that happen. And then as far as the Martin Short, I, I agree with what Paul said earlier. It was a, I think they did do a good job on 
making you feel Martin Short's growth through it. And it was clearly his growth was clearly a result of his interaction with these two people um, and the, you know, the adventure, as it were, because, you know, he has that moment at the end where he you know tells off the, the crazy chick uh, and he. What he quits his job and does something else. I don't know. Tells he, the doctor. He, he tells the doctor he's cured. He tells the the coworker he would never date her, and he tells the boss who was the guy from the Burbs and the and the Illinois Nazi in uh, Blues Brothers that he quits. Yo, you realize the girl that was his girlfriend was the wife of the neighbor who had the military stuff in the Burbs. Oh the oh the uh that that blue that Bruce Dern played. Is it, he was mad that the guy's dog was pooping on his lawn and he was like, he was very military. I don't know the guy's <laughs> name. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. His wife is the girl that was, you know, sort of with Martin Short, I guess. I don't know how we find that situation. Um, so, uh, real quick, my overall view, we, we, we kind of, you guys kind of already hit your overall views. I, I, part of it's nostalgia. I watched this a lot when I was a kid. I really liked it when I was a kid. Uh, in retrospect, I can see the difference between this movie. So I don't think it's amazing upon rewatch. I don't think I've rewatched it since I was a kid. I, it's been at least at least 15, 20 years since I've seen this movie, if not more. Um, but I still remembered a lot of it because I'd seen it so many times. Um, the I can see the difference in that many of the other movies we watched in high rotation because we had them on VHS me and my sisters or other friends will still quote to this day, whereas this is not a movie that gets quoted or referenced on a regular basis. So it's not a Big Trouble Little China. It's not a it Planes, Trains, Automobiles. It's not a, a you know one of these other movies that was both good on whatever child uh, level I enjoyed them on, but then remained good and 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 brought me into rewatching all throughout my you know young adulthood and now adulthood or whatever. Um, so it, it's definitely not one of those classic movies on the level of many of, uh, I, I like too many movies, but it's not one of them. I didn't think it was terrible and I did enjoy it as a child. And I, I was trying to think, why did I enjoy it as a child so much? And it was Martin Short. Uh, I think I enjoyed just about every Martin Short movie and he does a very good Martin Short in this. There's lots of scenes with him dancing, holding the hand of the robot. It almost looked like, uh, Ed Grimley style, you know, uh, Martin Short movements. Um, there's him making the funny faces when he's he's switching. So like as far as like showcase for Martin Short, um, you know, if that's all they were trying to do, they effectively did it. And then they wrapped a, a cohesive, uh, you know, a coherent movie around it. And you had the, the couple funny things with like the bad guys or whatever. Um, so I, I don't think it was terrible. Um, it was it was more enjoyable when I was a child. Um, and I didn't realize it was Spielberg. Am I crazy? Did you say it was Spielberg? I saw his name in the credits in the beginning, but when I was looking up everything today, it was it listed as being directed by Joe Dante. I think, but I think that Spielberg ooh. produced it. Oh. I remember seeing his name in the beginning, and Karen and I are looking at it like, this was after E.T.? Like, this is not on the level of Spielberg stuff that's uh, good. And I'm not going to say, like, again, I didn't hate it, but I I totally agree with what Sean's saying. This isn't really even like Gremlins or anything like that. This just doesn't seem like it's of that caliber because so much of it's the, it seemed like that wanted us to be so much more impressed with stuff like 
you know, well, he's inside the body and this is kind of neat, but like, I kind of stopped caring about that premise after, uh, not that long. And, uh, it just didn't, it just didn't land. It just didn't land for me. I think I agree with most of what Sean said. I'm glad that you said it first, Sean. Like, yeah, while, (laughs) cause, cause I guess a lot of times I do. And then you're like, damn it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean like, uh, like, like I I liked it overall, I think mainly because of nostalgic factor and, you know, and, and that Martin Short's like physical comedy is just effortless in this. Like, I think that's the memorable thing about it, but yeah, watching it again, like I wasn't, wasn't really engaged the whole time. Like by the end of it, I was kind of like, all right, is this over yet? Like it, it's, it's not, it's not a bad movie, but it's, it's not as amazing as I remember it. You know what else I think uh, we forget sometimes, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put the year at ninety two. Uh, I think so. Like when I grew up, uh, my dad would show me like old sci fi movies or whatever. When I say old, I mean like black and white into like early color. And there wasn't a lot of uh, there wasn't a lot of great uh, science fiction options i mean there and i know we could name a bunch of great science fiction movies planet of the apes is a great movie it's my favorite science fiction movie so that there there were some options but there was it wasn't like today where there's a gajillion movies that you can watch and i feel like it was like 92 where special effects just stopped being a problem and it, it turned into just like I say 92 because I'm thinking Terminator 2, and then I think 93 was Jurassic Park. So I feel like it was right around there. You go before that, and like special effects science fiction movies were problematic or, or fewer and farther between, where there was like, I don't know, this probably not only gave me that Martin Short when I was very young that I enjoyed, but then like when I was like 9 or 10 watching it for the 30th time, it was also like... Uh, a science fiction movie where like I got to see something these people getting shrunk down and put in there and I probably did enjoy that on a uh, an adventure science science fiction level and it did look I mean uh I know the movie didn't feel like Spielberg quality but I don't think the effects were bad like it looked like he was Yeah no the effects were not bad. Right and so for 87 I was probably fascinated with that too in retrospect. Again, 87, 88, 89, um, I'm seven, eight, nine years old, whatever it is at that time. And I, we haven't hit, uh, we haven't hit that special effects boom that I feel really took off in the early nineties. And then it was just like, you know, at this point, second rate Netflix movies have the ability to put whatever they can imagine on the screen. So, uh, that didn't exist then, you know? Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree that the visual effects were pretty, pretty solid, especially considering the movie's vintage, um, all the way around that, that wasn't really a, a bothersome to me. It was just more, you know, kind of how I felt watching the movie. Uh, I do agree that Martin short was great. Uh, I, he's, he's definitely fun to watch. I did think the face swapping thing was a bridge too far. Um, <laughs> That was like, at that point, I was like, I, I don't know what you're doing here. This seems like a different movie at this point. <laughs> this is a, you, you had my suspension of disbelief with the whole shrinking the tiny, the shrinking the tiny thing in there and just not flying out of his ass at any particular point. I don't know why he didn't just fucking leave. Like, why did they need to get back there to get him out of there? There's like, oh, we got to get back because I'm going to run out of air and I'm going to die. 
because I'm stuck inside your body. I need to find a way to get out of your body. It's like, okay, but then he kisses what's-her-face, and he just goes from one to the next. Clearly, he could leave whatever hell he wanted. Well, I don't think it mattered where he really was, whose body he was in, or if he was just, you know, if he flew out and was just flying around in the air. I think he was better off being in Martin Short because he could communicate and at least get where he was going. The the thing that... uh. The, the thing that kept the plot driven forward was that they needed to get that other chip, which that is weird that you would take one chip to shrink a person and two to enlarge them. <laughs> but um, the, the whole concept of that chip was the whole thing that the plot was based on. Yeah, but like didn't wasn't the whole thing like he needed to get out of Martin Short because he couldn't breathe in there. Yeah, like he was running out of air. So, so if re- Martin Short just spit him into his hand and then he opens up the windows he can breathe the oxygen that's outside of martin short's body like they, they he'd be fine in a jar they addressed it and they just it <laughs> they did address it they they heard your concern chris and they they <laughs> threw some science words at it that didn't make any sense uh because at the one point he goes well that's the the uh uh the I don't remember what he was. He was like a consultant or something. He was the one that scooped him up off the floor when he got in the fight in the beginning. His friend, not a friend. Uh, that guy said, okay, well, it's no problem. Just have him, you know, drive up to uh, Martin Short's lungs and open the hatch and he'll get all the air he needs. You know, and we'll get him out of there whenever we get him out of there. No, no big deal. And the guy was like, no, if he opens the hatch, there'll be explosive decompression, which doesn't make any sense because... <laughs> What the hell are you talking about? He's going to open the hatch anyway, right? You're just going to make a big and he's going to open the hatch? Like, the oxygen molecules, you didn't shrink them, right? Like, I don't... It didn't make a lot of sense, but they heard Yeah, I thought the decompression thing was related to him being inside of Martin Short. Like, it was underwater or something. Like, in when you go into a submarine and and then you go down into the ocean, you open up the door, there's going to be some crazy decompression because, like, air pressure is a big difference when sure. you're totally submerged in something so that's where i connected that it's like all right so the problem is is that he's effectively in liquid and he's super super tiny so the pressure would kill him so just get him into the air like outside of a body because he's in the lungs there's going to be all this air pressure going around from the air going in and out of the lungs just get out of the body and put him in a mason jar and then he can open up the just crack the windows and breathe or something. They, I don't know. They they went with reasons. Uh <laughs> they went with they went with be, so the movie can happen. Right. They reasons. went with reasons. Uh and they, they dressed it up with sciencey words. <laughs> you know, I mean hey, it's not yeah, it's they put uh, two seconds worth of uh, writing effort into bridging that gap. I think it probably really just started out as a, a showcase for Martin Short. They were like, What else can we put him in? We'll stick him over here. <laughs> he's funny that's what it that's what it seemed like to me was this like vehicle a certain thing seemed like all right we're gonna get martin short to do things and that's fine they would dress up a movie and in you know here is this is that let this comedian uh let this comedic actor do their shtick in as many situations as we can get them in it was just when they started doing the the, the face swapping scene where i just lost it like <laughs> You have lost me. But, <laughs> I, I will suspend all of which, my disbelief. Which was but... extra crazy when you think about the fact that it probably was a Martin Short vehicle, because then you had a different actor pretending to be Martin Short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cowboy who was like 
the doctor on Star Trek Voyager. It's like, that's he where I know this guy the from. the doctor like, on Star weird. Trek. I didn't put that together until you said it, but you're right. That's who that you, was. You want to know something? <laughs> I, I met the cowboy. Really? Yeah, he was in a he was in a show uh, that we did at the the theater I worked at a long time ago when I was at the the Prince. Uh, he was at a he was in a show. I was about it was like about Philly. It was about um, I don't remember, but he was he was in it. His name's his name's Robert Picardo. Did you ask him to sign your interspace poster? Because that would be I mean, badass. I didn't. I didn't it's not like we were chummy. I mean, I just, I, you know, I remember him and then I remember being like, oh, he's been in stuff. Like, he's a, it's cool. <laughs> he's the real deal. He's the real deal. Um, you, you know what's funny? I didn't think that the, I didn't think that the face swapping stuff was too much. You, you, you know, you mentioned how it's a, a Martin Short vehicle and it's like, 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 let's get him to do a shtick in as many scenes as possible. I thought, like sometimes when that's the case, it's like they just start inserting weird things in a movie so that that you know you can have a scene where he does this, you can have a scene where he does that. I I I felt like this movie was was pretty natural. Like I felt like the the flow was really good and that like there was some really funny bits. I I liked the thing in the doctor's when he's in the waiting room of the doctor's office and he's he's responding to Tuck's voice for the first time like that sort of comedy routine with the two people on the couch I thought was so funny um the the bit with the friggin robot arm how that that robot arm had to do that weird choreographed movement before it before it got the chip and then like by the end of the movie people are like we don't have time for this, <laughs> you know, like, like I thought there was some funny stuff with that where like Martin Short was like acting alongside the robot arm. The the one that felt really out of place and stupid to me was when he was when they had the um the like high speed chase with the freezer truck and he's like hanging out of the freezer truck and, you know, cars are whizzing <laughs> past like that was the one that felt really stupid to me. Yeah, that was also pretty gratuitous. Because it doesn't even play to Martin Short's strengths. Like, no, it was just like, all right, here's here's action sequence. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. can we do for an action sequence? Yeah, let's have some dude hanging out of the back of a truck. That was weird. The scene, yeah, no, it had it, him jumping up and yelling, "I'm possessed." That scene on the couch that that was a funny scene. I mean. Uh, it's Martin Short, and you, you gave him a little space, and he, you know, he does his thing, and I, I love him. I think he's great. Um, so yeah, it, it had funny scenes. I, again, I, I don't think it was a bad movie, but I, I do, uh, I can certainly see the caliber of difference between that and, like you said, a Gremlins or or some other, you know, movie of that era that that does uh, permeate my brain on a regular basis. Flash. Uh, we, we've talked. A lot about Martin Short. We've talked less about the other two. Um, I I wanted to respond to something Chris said a while ago, where you know, where you just said that you felt like Dennis Quaid was a total shit the whole movie. Um, I think that I think that maybe the reason I didn't have that perspective on it was because 
you the only window into their relationship was the first scene you know he uh, um to he and Meg Ryan's relationship was the first scene and then they split up and then the whole adventure happened you know uh, like i guess a lot of the crux of the adventure um for for his character other than surviving is is winning her back right so like you're seeing all of their interactions after the fact so i guess the fact that their time together we only saw that one scene and you're seeing him like on his worst day that i know you know i guess i didn't have that perspective that he was so awful and you know what he was a dick in that first scene but he wasn't a dick to her per se i mean she ended up having to take him home because he was being a drug ass, but, you know, I don't know. I was under the impression that this was just the way he was. Like, the way that the other, you know, military guys acted toward him. It's like, oh, he's just this cocky asshole. He's, he's a really good-looking dude, and he knows it, and so he thinks he can get away with whatever the hell he wants. And so he acts like an ass all the time. And then the way she acted towards him made it seem like, at least the way I read it, was like, no, this is just who this guy is. He's 80s beefcake dude who can get away with anything because he's good looking. And she loves him because she's so attracted to him. But he doesn't... You know, every reason that he wanted to get back to her always just came off to me as selfish. And then, like, all of a sudden, oh, she's pregnant. I'm ready to be a dad. Like, this guy could... This, this guy was never dad material he didn't want to settle down he was like yeah baby i'm just who i am <laughs> and and you just got to deal with me and all of my shit uh because you want me and it that that's just the way it read to me because they didn't give it they didn't really give much else in there to 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 kind of convince me of otherwise and that's fine it didn't need to be a focus of the movie it just he rubbed me the wrong way as a character and i didn't really by the time he was like trying to get back to her in the end. It felt so self-serving. It wasn't like, it, it just seemed like I need to get back to her because she'll tolerate me and she'll give me what I want. Not like, so I, I agree with what you're saying about like the beginning. That. I think he was supposed to be an ass in general. Again, it, I didn't see him be mean to her in any specific way, but no, I think you're right. I think he was supposed to be an ass. And I think they just kind of, uh, rushed over or didn't do a good job uh, uh, teasing out the the couple like uh, character development moments he had in the pot, right? Like you again, you kind of saw him. Uh, they didn't. They could have pieced him together a little bit better. They could have um, spoon fed him to us a little bit more, or or linked them together a little more clearly. But he, I, I think they gave us a couple moments in the pod where you were supposed to see him, his character develop or 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 change into a more um, I don't know, caring or, uh, you know, cause in the beginning, even, I mean, not that he's ever nice to Martin short, but he was more of an ass to him in the beginning. And then by the end, I don't know, there's some sort of degree of, of, you know, camaraderie at least. Um, and then again with her, you can kind of see his, his, his reactions to her change. And I don't know. Uh, I, again, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I think he was an ass, uh, but a cut one, so you know. I mean, yeah, exactly. Line them like, up, ladies. I, I'm, I'm not. I, I say all this 
you know, and I also have to preface all the things that I've said is that he can still get it. I mean, <laughs> he comes, I'm not kicking him out of, the, out of bed. I'm just saying he seems like an ass. I get where Meg Ryan's coming from, but it's not necessarily and, the healthiest. And then we're focused on him. What about Meg Ryan? What was going on in her career right around now that this was the movie she made? It seems like a weird move. Uh, I'm going to say that this was probably right before, right after Joe versus the Volcano. And you got to think these two movies near each other. She was turning around to her manager and being like, you're fired. Like, what is happening? What am I even doing over here? I'm pretty sure they just pointed her towards, you know, Randy Quaid's abs and be like, not Randy, but Dennis, <laughs> Dennis Quaid's Quaid. abs and be like. No, Randy Quaid's <laughs> abs. And she went in the other direction, <laughs> right through the arms of Dennis. <laughs> Here are your options right now. We got this Randy Quaid movie, or we got this Dennis Quaid movie. Which and, Quaid you know, do you want? <laughs> I'll take that one. I mean, this did. I, I would imagine that this was she did this movie because it seemed like a pretty obvious paycheck. Like this is a science fictiony looking thing. There's not a lot like it right now. Uh, and Martin Short and Dennis Quaid's abs and like. Surefire paycheck. And so Spielberg's sure. name is stamped on it. So yeah. Exactly. That was the, that's that seems to me like not the kind of movie you'd want to turn down. That's true. But. In the eighties, if somebody said Spielberg, I guess everybody was just like, Yes, I will do that. You guys could be right about Dennis Quaid. I maybe it should ring more alarm bells to me that he literally had a liquor bottle hidden in every nook and cranny of that apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe Maybe that should be more telling about his uh, his personality. Also, like uh, you know, it is what it is. What was up with that apartment? Like he had like robot arms and like rabbits and like a weird column of ivy and a giant fish. Like yeah, the company let him take home a lot of seemingly sensitive equipment. I don't think you bring <laughs> lab rabbits home. I think that probably messes up. You know, whatever test uh you're doing and then the robot arm i'll bet you that was expensive eh, seemed weird to yeah, have it did seem, house. seem to be a lot of working from home for this top secret project that he wasn't allowed to right. talk about <laughs> and parts of the job that don't concern him i understand he's the test pilot he's not involved in the rabbit's care that doesn't those things don't overlap right that doesn't make any sense oh, oh. So not related to the movie, but sort of related to the movie. I just don't want to forget it. It's it's popped back up into my head like three times. Uh, you said the guy that directed this, whose name I've already forgotten, he also directed Amazon Women on the Moon. Uh huh. I forgot all about that movie. If you've never seen that, I again, that's one I haven't seen since I was much, much younger. Several times. I think that was a Steve Gutenberg vehicle, right? Like it was Gutenberg and like... That was the one that just kept like jumping channels, right? Like it was. Yes. I don't remember. It would show yeah, you, like, I'm not sure if I've even seen that. It's one. A, it's essentially like sketch comedy. Right, right, and they but like it's literally like you're watching TV and the channel keeps changing. I think. Oh yep. yeah, yeah, I did see this one. Yeah, I I remember renting this one. And and I I think maybe it's the cause of all ADD ever. Like that's where it started. Because <laughs> I feel like that's how my brain works now. She's like, "Yep, channel change, channel change." All right, but yeah, I don't know. That just when he said that, it jumped out at me. I was like, "Oh, I forgot all about that movie." Wild. Well, I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm just about out of things yeah. to say about this one. It's fine. I don't think anyone needs to run out and watch it. If you know, if you find I, yourself in a room with it, you know, you I won't guess, cry. 
I guess uh, a couple other notes that I had was, um, I don't know, like uh, maybe this goes along with some of the nostalgia stuff that we were talking about, but, you know, we we were sort of instantly transported back to all this 80s stuff, the mall and um, things like that. And I, I just, I was struck by how the science stuff in this movie all looks like things that people would have in their garage you know like like i, I don't know I, I we we've we've now started depicting science stuff different in like more modern movies but where like you look at like back to the future and like this it's all you know weird gauges and dials and like keyboards that come out from weird places and stuff i don't know like that 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 aesthetic kind of drew me in i thought that was fun yeah the, it's funny you said that the, the, the shrink ray the bad guys had actually operated on a garage door. Like, it was a big garage door that closed over top of whoever they were shrinking. Like a sideways garage. Like, they took a garage door and they laid it down sideways to make that set. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was kind of the- funny, too, how they <laughs> reduced the people to, like, half the size. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, it was... I guess maybe that oh, was... Oh, God, a... I forgot all about that part. That was weird. Yeah, like, I guess that was a little bit of the disturbing imagery I'm remembering from these nightmarish scenes from my childhood. But See, like, and, uh... and that gave way to a great comedy scene because the two uh, half-sized people attacking uh, Martin Short and uh, what's-her-name in the car was a great scene. That was hysterical. Yeah. Or horrifying. I mean, I just your your perspective, I guess, but I, you know. That that I felt like did play into Martin Short, the tiny little hands coming over, covering his eyes, him freaking out at the wheel. Like it was like, yeah, that's that's what you do for him. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was weird, but like I I think I was also entertained by it. Oh, I did think it was weird that their hired thug. Two things I thought weird about him. One, I feel like he shot the guy in the mall, and then went to the car and had to change hands which indicated to me that he only has one bullet in each hand because he takes his hand off of the car and then puts a new hand on. And I'm like, it's so one, one and done. You get one bullet. This is how high tech we are. Um, and then the other weird thing is their hired assassin thug guy is also their test pilot. Like that seemed like a weird, you know, what, what, what was that job description? Like, cause Quaid wasn't, assassinating people in Russia for us or, you know, like being covert <laughs> down in South America. No, he's a test pilot. Cause that's, you know, a whole job in and of itself that you have to learn a bunch of stuff for. Right. But these bad guys, they were just like, you're good at killing people. Hop in this, uh, this crazy device over here and fly it around inside this guy's body. I'm sure you're good at that too. Right. Well, the guy with the detachable arm or detachable hand which I guess let's just call him the henchman, right? Because, like, he served all those henchman purposes. He was the driver. He went, you know, he was the assassin. He he then was the one who piloted the the thing. Um, so, like, I guess, I guess they're an evil organization, and he's their henchman. Um, uh, I guess one of his jobs is also, like, servicing the boss because i don't know if you saw that scene where he switched out his hand to a a sex toy yeah (laughs) that seemed real unnecessary (laughs) like there was no laugh there was just some questions that that didn't need to be answered or asked but they made me ask them and then 
I'm probably unfamily friendly the movie just just a little bit more. I, I that was one of those things where I was like, did I just see that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that was fun. I'm you know I I'm still glad that I've seen it. This is an '80s Martin Short movie that I have never heard of before. This was an experience that I hadn't had before. So I don't have a lot of Dennis Quaid experience outside of like Dragonheart. So this was a an interesting uh different role for him. Uh, at least from from my perspective. So thanks for bringing this one to my attention. I think it was a wise choice. I do what uh, I can. All right. I do what I can. Well, I guess it's time for us to to do our um voting. Oh, right. God. All right. <laughs> yes. Are, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. I gotta find my phone. It's a whole thing. All right. All right. So let's uh. Let's let's say what our our picks are. So, uh, Sean, why don't you go first? So I narrowed it down to two, and I feel like we've talked about both these movies. Here's my problem with picking movies for this thing. Oh, I feel like. Wait, hang on. Uh-huh. Can I say something before you go, Sean? Go ahead. Are we are we voting on a movie, or are we saying that it has to be Jaws, or? Are we just telling Chris he needs to watch Jaws before next time and give us a report because he's an adult man and should have seen Jaws? <laughs> so, all right. Well, that we're, we're good. And I hate you, Paul. And I feel like I don't need to be on the podcast anymore. So, I mean, I think we can still vote on movies and just say, you know, just like last time we did our report on Geely. I think maybe like Chris <laughs> needs to do a report on Jaws and, you know, we could do a quick play by play. And then I think he also needs to tell us which one of the three of us is Roy Scheider, which one is Robert <laughs> Shaw, and which one is Richard Dreyfus. Oh, God. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the hot chick who gets eaten. Uh, pretty sure. Uh, the, so the, I was about to say, my problem with picking movies for this uh, thing to put forward is that I can never remember which ones everyone said they've seen and haven't seen. And I know I've been offended on several occasions, like, why the hell hasn't <laughs> this person seen this movie? So I narrowed it down to two movies, one of which was Jaws, because in the back of my head, I was like, I think one of them said they didn't see Jaws. And then I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> and I didn't want to say Jaws if it's something we've all seen a hundred times, because that's, I don't know, unnecessary. But if Chris hasn't seen Jaws, I'm going with Jaws. Because for God's <laughs> sakes, you're a grown-ass man. Well, what was your other pick? Jason X. But then I couldn't remember if we had said we saw it or not. <laughs> oh, Jason X. Oh, man. I kind of remember would... Chris saying he's never really watched any horror movies, which also makes me think, well, he should watch Jason X. Because not only is it a horror movie, it's I've seen awesome. the sleeping bag scene. Well, that, <laughs> that scene's awesome. But the whole movie's awesome. I mean, he just wanted his machete back. Come on. It's a great <laughs> line. That's that's enticing too. I would love to do a like crappy play by play on that movie. Ooh, I don't know. Chris has to watch Jaws. It's not acceptable. Chris has to watch so. Jaws. I think I think we must insist. We can't have a movie podcast with someone who hasn't seen Jaws. It's stupid. Yes, you're an adult man with a movie podcast. Watch Jaws. <laughs> Well, clearly Jaws was my pick because <laughs> I have never seen Jaws, and I figured we have to. Um, <coughs> do you want to? I, I've 
I, I yeah, I, Jaws is my pick. <laughs> oh, okay. The only other J movie I could think of was Jumanji. I haven't seen that in forever, but you know, Paul. Uh, you know, Paul. Let's really screw him over. You what? you put forward Jaws four, and I'll vote for you. <laughs> And we'll just make him watch Jaws four, having never seen Jaws one, and then he can go through the life with his life with that hanging over his head. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's no other ones. There's just uh, the revenge. <laughs> um, my pick. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I guess. I guess based on this whole conversation, obviously, I I was gonna say, is it Jaws, or are we are we also putting forth a pick? But I guess if I'm Gonna put forth a pick as well. Um, my pick was gonna be uh, Johnny Dangerously, um, which uh, is a pre-Beetlejuice era Michael Keaton movie where he's like a he's gangster. like a wise guy gangster. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It's been a long time. I remember yeah, I, I I've definitely seen it in the last twenty years, but I don't uh, I don't remember it so much. So it would be a an interesting watch. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you guys think? Should we just watch Jaws, or do you guys want to do a vote? Uh, what do you think, Sean? I don't know. I, I I'll watch two movies because it's it's a month in between these things. I don't mind watching two movies, but I'm watching Jaws, and Chris is watching Jaws, and that's the end of that. If you want to tack on other homework, that's fine by me. But by God, he's got to watch Jaws. My my vote is to do Jaws. It's such a it's such a piece of movie history. I feel like just doing a play-by-play as opposed to having a full conversation about it seems silly. It's fine by me. I can talk about Jaws. Again, it's one of the two best, in my opinion, the two best movies ever made are Jaws and Shawshank Redemption. Not my favorites. Best ever made. Should we do Jaws as an episode, but Sean and I will do a play-by-play of Jason X? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, but Chris will read the play-by-play. Just Jilly style. Yeah. All See, right. then I'm you're totally into that. Then you're not saddled with extra homework, Chris. Okay. All right. All right. If anything, if anything, I will try to watch the second Jaws movie too, if I can fit more than one movie in. But I, uh, yeah, let's, Jaws, let's Jaws be clear. It it's a pretty steep decline after the first one. So, so correct that's, me. That's what I've heard. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. But um, I mean, I, we won't talk about who lives and who dies in the movie, but. Um, but, uh, the Roy Scheider was the only one that came back and did the second movie. So then, so then like that was, that movie was kind of about him. And then, and then I feel like he stopped after that, but then like somehow the sharks were always tied to his family. You know, it's like they moved down to Florida and it's like, oh, there's sharks. His wife has got to fight sharks. And right. Like, wasn't that kind of the, the bit with those things? I think that sequels? I think you described the bit for number three. Look, I think I only saw two and three like maybe once or twice each a long time ago. And then number four, if I'm not mistaken, was the three D one. But I think Roy Schneider was in the three D one too. I think you're right, he wasn't in three and for some reason the sharks were chasing his daughter, wife, fan, whatever. <laughs> Dennis Quaid was in the third one. <laughs> I really don't remember the third one at all. But then the fourth one, uh, who did it have, like, Louis Gossip Jr. and I think Roy Schneider, and they were they were fighting the shark in 3D, and you got to wear glasses when you watched it, so, you know, who cares? All right, I, I will also try to watch more than one of them. <laughs> all right, I'll give it a go. <laughs> 
try to talk Jacqueline to do a whole day of Jaws movies. I don't know how many there's. I I know there was at least four. There's just four, as far as I know. They stop then. Although, according to Wikipedia, there were there were four of them, and in July 2018, Steven Spielberg expressed interest in a Jaws prequel film focusing on the 1945 shink, sinking of the USS Indianapolis, featuring a younger version of Robert Shaw's Quint in a supporting capacity. In May 2020, Shaw's grandson, Frieda Shaw, expressed interest in potentially portraying the young Quint in the future, should the film ever be produced. But that was the last That was the last of it. Oh my god, I would love to watch a prequel just about Quint. That would be yeah, amazing. I would watch that. I, I, oh, and I think in Jaws 2 or three or four wasn't one of them like the mom of jaws one of them was the mom of jaws like <laughs> like they killed jaws and jaws's mom comes to town and she's pissed that they killed her baby <laughs> that is amazing like that i'm pretty sure i know that that's the plot of either two or three or four. Oh, it's it's two or three because i think four don't they like jurassic park the shark i think they like bring jaws back from the dead and give him like super genetic shark parts because they thought it was a good idea for their underwater sea lab. You're making these movies sound amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's all accurate. I'm looking, I'm looking on IMDb. I have seen part four, which is called Jaws the Revenge. That one, (laughs) that one, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, Roy Scheider, Chief Brody's wife, is the is the main character, and I think it's like they've tried to, they've tried to escape, you know the the, they've tried they've they've tried to leave and set up somewhere else to forget about the shark, and the shark finds them there. Um, and uh, I definitely watched the movie at my grandparents' house when I was a kid. Like my my grandparents were you know, watching TV late and they were like, Oh, he can watch it with us. And then they were like, Oh, this was a mistake. <laughs> I'm, I'm an a-hole. Cause obviously jaws three was the 3d one that I'm talking about. Cause jaws 3d. Yeah. Jaws, jaws 3d, 4. but apparently jaws four retconned it. Mm. According to Wikipedia, the fourth film jaws, the revenge sees the storyline returning to Amity Island, but ignores all plot elements introduced in jaws 3d. <laughs> They couldn't keep it together for four movies. Come on, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Fascinating. Yeah, right. so it looks it looks like Jaws 3D is the odd one out that's probably the the awful <laughs> the most awful, I would bet. <laughs> well, I will watch as many Jaws movies as I can. I will watch at least the first one and see if there's any way for me to find time to watch at least another one. But uh that's what we'll do. Fair All enough. Right. All right, Paul, cool. Watch Jaws and Jason, and maybe yeah. some more Jaws. All right, I'm excited about this. I love this. I love this plan. Don't have to twist my uh, arm to watch movies. <laughs> oh boy! All right, so I'm finally going to see Jaws. Good for me. Good for America. All right, uh, that's it. That's your homework, everybody. Watch Jaws, and then uh, we will talk about it next time. And leave us your thoughts and feelings on Jaws, so that we can we can hear about them all. All six listeners that we have. And when Chris could be five by now. Who when knows? Chris hates Jaws, we kick him off the podcast, right? Like, <laughs> just, we vote him off the island. Welcome to a theater near you, starring <laughs> Sean and Paul. <laughs> I'm here to record it. I'm not allowed to talk. 
Oh boy. Alright, a theater near you is a part of the Geekade Podcast Network. And if you'd like to get in touch with us to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. We can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geekade Discord server, as well as can be found on our, uh, all that information can be found in our show notes. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time in a theater near you. <laughs> <laughs>